You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. You know, last week we celebrated Easter, not only here at LWC, but all over the world. In fact, uh, God really blessed us here at Living Word Chapel that we were able to uh, see more than 700 people come to our four Easter services, and 42 of those individuals came forward and... uh, They walked the aisle and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And what you find is that most people who are Christ followers, they did a lot more than hide Easter eggs. And I'm I'm here to tell you that I'm not against Easter eggs. But for a Christian, Easter is Resurrection Sunday. It's when we reflect and we celebrate the fact of the resurrection. In fact, the Christian faith stands or falls on the fact of the resurrection. In in the first message that was ever recorded in the early church, uh, Peter said, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. So here's Peter, who was a week before this time, denying the Lord, and now he's standing firm on the fact that Jesus is alive and well. But let me ask you a question. I want you to ponder this with me. Is there anyone in here this morning that has ever doubted? I thought about that this week, and those 42 individuals that made public uh, confessions of faith, of those 42 people, how many of them, whether it was hours after they gave their lives to the Lord, or maybe during the week, how many of those individuals Was there a seed of doubt that entered their minds and entered their hearts? You see, the devil, he's the master of producing doubt. The world and the flesh, they work on that, or the devil works through the world and the flesh to bring questions and sometimes lack of understanding and doubt. And as I read through the account of the days following the resurrection, many things happened in the hearts and the minds of the disciples. And one of the things that happened was that doubt began to set in. And most of us that that are followers of Christ, we understand that doubt is the killer of faith. But sometimes it's the reality of life. And what I have found is that God makes room for our doubts. He allows us some space for us to question. In fact, there may be someone here today and, and, and you, you've got questions, you've got doubts. Uh, you may have friends and family that, that they have doubt and, and, and you've told them about Christ and they say, well, I don't know if I can believe that. Sometimes we need God to reinforce his existence, and his love. So I titled today's message, The Reality of the Resurrection. And there was a guy who followed Jesus, and his name was Thomas. And what I love about Thomas was he asked all the right questions. He was one of those people that would ask openly what many people question silently. Have you ever had questions Concerning something, have you ever had doubt concerning something and, and, and you're afraid to ask that question? 
But there's someone that stands up and says, I don't know about this, and can you explain this to me? And you're like, I am so glad that you asked that question. That's the kind of person that Thomas was. For example, in John 14, one of the greatest passages, verses 1 through 6, what we find there is that Jesus, at the conclusion of, of, of his talk with the disciples, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or by me. And what, what prompted that reply from, from Jesus our Lord is that Thomas asked him point blank. He said, Lord, we don't know the way. And so he helps us in understanding some things that maybe would not have been written if he would not have asked the right questions. And I want us to go to the Bible to another narrative that reveals Jesus meeting Thomas's need of assurance and confirmation. And we're going to go to the Gospel of John, verses, uh, I mean, chapter 20, verses 26 through 29, and we're going to be reading from the NIV. So let's pray before we go there. Um, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for every blessing that you provide, and thank you for your word. And as we open up the Bible right now, Lord God, we also choose to open up our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us. I pray that you will speak through me, Lord God, as, as your messenger, Father, as a messenger that has the greatest message that's known to man. And Lord, many of us have questioned at times. We've doubted at times. I thank you that you provide scripture that will meet us where we're at. So we, we pray, Lord God, that when we leave here, that we will have something settled in our hearts and we'll be better off because of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So the Bible says, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And as I read this passage of scripture this week, as we, as we go through our, our AD series, I want us to understand how important it is for us to, to look at doubt and to look at questions and understanding. And I, and I put three points together that I think will help us to, to, to grow out of our doubt and, and to grow into faith. And so I want to start with point number one, which is simply God makes room for your doubt and your questions. If God didn't make room for our doubt, this passage would not be in the Bible. It's in the Bible because people sometimes doubt and sometimes they have questions. You know, I, I, I've been spending some time with a, with a young, young man. He's a millennial, about 23 years old, and, and we've been having some pretty awesome uh, conversations. And in those conversations, it's, it, it, we're talking about the Lord and we're talking about faith and he has not taken that step to, to commit his life to the Lord, but he's at that place where he's questioning, and, he's, and he's, he, he knows that there's something missing in his life. And, and one of the things that stands out is that when we're discussing these matters, he'll always say something like, I want to believe, or I, 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 I want to do this, but I, I just don't know, uh, I just don't know this, or I don't know that. So there's doubt that begins to creep in, to his life. This is something that was very evident even in uh, the, 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 the believers. And, and Thomas is a perfect example of this. In fact, if we read the words that he spoke to his friends right before the passage that I just read right now, uh, in John 20, 25, it says that the other disciples, they told him, him being Thomas, 
we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And when we look at that verse, sometimes people will say, you know what, Thomas was, was just a product of unbelief. But I don't look at it that way. This actually is not a hate on Thomas verse. It's a thank you, Thomas, for your honesty verse. You see, Jesus is omniscient. He knows all things. He could have gone to Thomas first and revealed himself alive to him before he ever went to anyone else. But Jesus didn't go to Thomas first. Jesus went to Peter first. And then he went to the other disciples. And, and as you see the progression, Jesus perfectly meets us where we're at. And Jesus knew that that doubt that Thomas had was actually going to produce faith. I love the way that uh, uh, Holman's uh, New Testament commentary puts it. It says, sincere Christianity has always welcomed sincere research. Jesus did not scold Thomas or condemn him for his hesitation. He provided the evidence. Only then did he say to him, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas moved from quick, he moved quickly from rough talking skeptic to a willing worshiper. I also see in, in, in Matthew's gospel that doubt was evident in some of the disciples after the resurrection. You know, as, as Jesus is on the mount and he's waiting for the 11 disciples to come to him, uh, this is what we read. It says, The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Even seeing Jesus approaching them in his resurrected, glorified body, there was doubt. You see, beloved, there are times and seasons in our lives that we have doubt. And we must remember that God makes room for it. One of the worst things that we can do as Christians is to tell our children or to tell our friends, you need to believe just because I'm telling you to believe or, or, or just believe it because I say so. Can I tell you? The, the reality is there's, there's a good thing in doubt sometimes. There's a good thing in question because then God who is real, can confirm himself in a very real way. Uh, Pastor Charles Stanley, he put it really nice. He said, Our Heavenly Father understands our disappointment, suffering, pain, fear, and doubt. He is always there to encourage our hearts and help us understand that he's sufficient for all of our needs. When I accepted this as an absolute truth in my life, I found that my worrying stopped. You see, I agree with Pastor Stanley. God understands. A part of our fallen condition is that we doubt and we don't fully understand things. But Jesus came to renew our faith in a God who is faithful in all things. And he understands when we doubt. In fact, I would say that it is healthy to doubt sometimes. Sometimes we shouldn't jump into things. Sometimes we shouldn't just, just say, you know what, I believe this without checking it out. So pastor, you're, you're, you're looking at me and, and you're saying, how do I apply this? How do I apply this point number one? I would say this, take time this week to communicate your doubt to God and someone you can trust. The Bible helps us here with a story of a man who needed Jesus to touch his son with healing. And it says that the, the, the father instantly cried out. He said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And it illustrates the fact that sometimes we are torn between two paradigms. I believe. No, I don't believe. I, the things I want to do, no, these things I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, these things I do do, as Romans chapter 7 says. So as people, we're, we, we struggle, we, 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 we wrestle with different things. And doubt is one of the things that we wrestle. But here is what I believe to be true. God will meet you in each place. God will meet you when you believe. And God will be working through our unbelief so that we can Take that step of faith. 
That's exactly why we see this with Thomas. I also like the way the Chronological Life Application Study Bible put it. It said, some people need to doubt before they believe. If doubt leads to questions, and questions lead to answers, and if answers are accepted, then doubt has done good work. It is when doubt becomes stubbornness, and stubbornness becomes a prideful lifestyle that doubt harms faith. When you doubt, don't stop there. Let your doubt deepen your faith as you continue to search for the answers. Let doubt, it's, it's telling us, let doubt do its work. Let us bring us to a place where we begin to search for the answer. And because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you will find the answer in Christ. Second point, you can't go forward with Jesus until you settle your doubt. Thomas does everyone a favor because his honesty confirms our necessity. Sometimes we struggle because we don't know. But God can never be experienced in our doubt. In other words, God will allow you to question. God will allow you to doubt. But he will never allow you to stay there. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews eleven six. You see, Jesus knew that Thomas's doubt would prevent him from becoming everything he could be because doubt stunts our spiritual growth. So he had a life encounter with him. Jesus had a life encounter with Thomas so that Thomas could settle his doubt. The whole thrust of this was centered on the good news. The good news is that Jesus came to usher in a new era of faith. Faith in a Savior that was Lord over disease, over storms, over demons, and more importantly, he is Lord over the grave. So the centerpiece, the foundational piece that Thomas needed to settle was that Jesus had risen bodily. In a glorified body, New Testament scholar James Boise put it like this. What convinced Thomas? Some have suggested that it was Christ's obvious knowledge of what Thomas had said. Though Jesus had not been physically present with, when Thomas said it. To do that, so the argument goes, Jesus would have to be God. Logical as that is, I do not find myself believing that this is what really got through to Thomas. What finally, finally got through to him was the presence of Christ identified by the wounds in his hands, feet, and side. It was the Christ of the cross who reached Thomas. You see what Boise says, I agree with. It's simply this, what changed Thomas's doubt was the fact of the glorified physical body of Christ. Christ was risen in a body. And we all need to know this truth. A spirit didn't come out of the tomb. A glorified body rose from the grave. And in our, in our uh, uh, small groups, we're going to be discussing the relevance of that in, in that uh, uh, mini-series AD. We're really going to see that illustrated in a greater way. You see, we need to understand that the, the scholars and the philosophers of their day, they taught that the body was evil, but the spirit was good. Aristotle and Plato, they made this very popular and it, it tries to creep its way into the church. But we need to understand that is not the case with the God of the Bible. He created the body and then he breathed life into a mortal body and he said it was good. The dilemma is not the body, but the sin that dwells in the man or the woman. And Jesus came to solve 
that problem. Jesus came so that that sin that dwells in us, he went to Calvary and he nailed it to the cross and took it upon himself so that we could receive his redemption and his righteousness. And because of that, you're free from that that enemy that we have in sin. And we're free from the enemy that we have in the grave. Pastor, how do I apply this point? What, what do I do with that? I would say to you, take time this week to study and research the fact of Jesus' resurrection. It was through Thomas's doubt that Jesus was able to concrete the fact of his resurrection. And can I tell you that many modern believers, many modern Christ followers have come to faith through their study and research of this historical fact. Great intellect uh, from Cambridge, Sir Norman Anderson, after a lifetime of analyzing the issue of the evidence of the empty tomb, he summed it up from a legal perspective in a writing that he put together called The Evidence of, for the Resurrection. And he said, quote, The empty tomb then forms a veritable rock on which all rationalistic theories of the resurrection will dash themselves in vain. The conclusion, after honest research, is that the empty tomb is truly empty because there is a risen Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. Takes us to point number three. In point number one, we, we, we see that God makes room for doubt. He makes room for questions. We're not robots. We're not non-intellectuals. We're able to process things, and that's a wonderful thing. And then we see in point number two that, that God knows that we'll never become who we can be in doubt, and so he he desires for us to settle our doubt and to settle our questions, and he's give he's given us wonderful proof of the fact of the resurrection. And then point number three is the truth of the resurrection will completely transform the way that you look at Jesus. You see, beloved, as long as we see Jesus as just another prophet or just another great teacher, or one of many miracle workers, the devil has you where he wants you. In fact, I think the devil will say, believe all that. Believe that Jesus is just another prophet. Believe that he's just another great teacher. Believe that he is another miracle worker. But, But stop right there. Just don't look at the tomb. Because once you realize the truth of the empty tomb, your response can only be as Thomas's response. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. You see, beloved, there is power in the resurrection of Jesus. The cross points to our forgiveness, but the resurrection points to the life-giving power of a renewed life. The cross absent of the resurrection produces empty religion because any person could have died for your sins. The difference between Jesus and every other person that claimed to be a savior is that Jesus rose from the dead. You see, only God has victory and power over the grave. As I look at my life and, and look at a lot of people's lives that have walked with Jesus, what you find is that the proof is in the resurrection. As you walk with the Lord, he has the power to transform your heart and your actions. Your belief will be turned from unbelief because of the power of the resurrection. As I come across people and, and, and they, 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 they say, what happened to you? How did these changes occur? How did this come into being? It is only because we serve a risen Savior 
who is alive and well and who sits at the right hand of the Father. Beloved, can I tell you, Jesus is able to change your heart and your life. Podcast listener, let me tell you, Jesus is able to change your life and your heart because Jesus is not a dead Savior. He's a risen Savior who's alive and well, and he's seated at the right hand of God himself. I love the way that uh, Lee Strobel uh, put it. Lee Strobel, very, very intellectual man. He was a journalist for a a major newspaper in the Chicago area. And uh, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. And his wife gave her, gave his heart, gave her heart to the Lord. He, she became a Christ follower. And, 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 and uh, Lee uh, was like, what are you doing? We don't believe that way. We don't need a crutch. We don't, we don't need that. We don't believe. And, and as her life changed... Lee began to investigate this Christianity. And it took him down a road where he was able to look and see that everything that the Bible says leads to truth. And the greatest truth is that Jesus rose from the dead. He wrote this. He said, The empty tomb is an enduring symbol of the resurrection. It is the ultimate representation of Jesus' claim to be God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen that the resurrection is the very linchpin of the Christian faith. The Bible says there, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, empty, in vain, and you are still in your sins. And I tell you something that the narrative of Jesus' post-resurrection appearance to Thomas helps us to realize the transforming power of a risen Savior. Thomas's doubt was completely erased and turned into radical faith, and that's exactly what God desires to do to modern skeptics. He doesn't want the church to get all uptight because people are questioning or not believing, we serve a God who is true, and his name is Jesus Christ. We serve a Savior who is able to save even those who doubt. That's why Thomas said, I mean, that's why Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The reason that Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen me, was because he would ascend to the right hand of the Father. And in his absence, he told his disciples, it is better for me to go because when I go, I will send the helper. I will send him to come and be poured out on the earth and he will testify about me. That's the Godhead working together to complete the work of salvation and restoration. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So here's my question to you. How do you view Jesus? Do you look at him as a a good teacher? Do you view him as one prophet amongst many? Do you view him as a miracle worker or maybe as another good humanitarian? Or do you see him as God revealed to man in human form? The great I am who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. I'm going to end with this scripture right here in John's gospel. Philip, he asked Jesus a very important question. He said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Notice, beloved, that Jesus didn't say, I am the Father. But he said, Anyone that has seen me has seen the very essence of the Father. 
Jesus came to reveal the Father to mankind. And then he came and took care of our dilemma. He came and took care of our problem by dying on the cross. And he didn't stop there. He went into the grave and he rose on the third day. It's not until you see him as God that you'll be able to appropriate his true identity. And it's that identity that will transform your life. It's not until you grasp that Jesus is God. Notice, beloved, notice how important this is. When Thomas said, my Lord and my God, Jesus did not say to him, don't, don't call me Lord, don't call me God. Jesus accepted his worship. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen me and will still believe. And when Jesus becomes your God and your Lord, you will never be the same. So, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, I am a sinner who needs your forgiveness. And today we've learned that doubt is a common theme that affects all people. Even those who followed Jesus and walked with him had questions and sometimes even doubted. But thank you for loving us despite our questions and our uncertainties. Help our unbelief. Solidify and concrete the fact of the resurrection of Jesus in our hearts and minds. We know that it is the greatest event in human history. It reveals that you, God, made your presence known in human form. It reveals that you, God, cared and loved us enough to die for our sins on the cross at Calvary. A human death on a human cross. It also reveals that people, the devil, and the flesh cannot contain God in a tomb. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. And I choose to believe this true because Jesus is God. He deserves my adoration and praise. And I choose to follow him from this day forward. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.